Hello and welcome to Money Life. This is Sucheta Dilal. This week, I'm talking about two orders by the Securities Appellate Tribunal and the Bombay High Court. The question that I'm asking is, is SEBI toothless despite its powers? On paper, it's one of the most powerful securities regulators in the world, fully empowered. Yet, two very recent cases, both in November and earlier, show that intermediaries just brazenly defy its directives, so do companies. Now, why is this important? Because millions of new investors have entered the capital market, and I'm afraid our grievance redress system remains broken because these two cases show you that what is happening is happening with very powerful people, right? So both these orders have gone against the Securities and Exchange Board of India. And what you had when they went to the Securities Appellate Tribunal, which I'm going to call SAT now, is there was a blame game. So let's start with the first one. The Securities Appellate Tribunal, or SAT, slapped a penalty of 5 lakhs on SEBI on 4th December. And it wrapped it for its lackadaisical approach in failing to unfreeze the shares of the four or five members of the Kirloskar family. This is a well-known industrial group, and SEBI had acted against them. Now, the, this is the story. If you want to read it in detail, please go to Money Life. But the details of what really happened are quite shocking. It begins in October 2020. SEBI passed an order barring Atul Rahul Alpanar Arti Kirloskar and Josna Kulkarni from accessing the securities market. I'm not going to go into details because that's not relevant to this video blog. The Kirloskars went in appeal to the SAT and SAT passed an interim order staying SEBI's action. But it took an undertaking from the family that while all its DMATs had earlier been, all the shares in its DMAT accounts had earlier been frozen under the SEBI order, now barring Kirloskar Industries Limited, they, where they undertook not to sell their holdings, so those were frozen, everything else was released. The case went on and Two years later, in October 2022, SAT passed final orders quashing SEBI action and said that even those Kirloskar industry shares should be unfrozen. Logically, when this happens, there should be a standard operating procedure where SEBI says, here's an order of SAT, writes to whichever depository is involved and says, lift the ban. It didn't happen. Remember, why is this expectation there? Because we have moved into mandatory demutualization over 20 years ago, and SEBI routinely passes orders, freezing shares, unfreezing them, wins cases, loses cases. So this should have been a standard procedure, should have been in place for over 20 years. And believe me, even I, covering the market for 35 years, expected that this would be there until this story sounds like really Alice in Wonderland. So the freeze on Kirloskar shares wasn't lifted after the October 22 order. So the Kirloskars wrote to SEBI and wrote to NSTL. Not immediately, they waited till 22nd and 23rd February respectively and asked for action. NSTL immediately responded on the 24th saying, send us the details of the order. Now, should it have gone automatically? Didn't happen. They wanted the Kirloskars to send the order. So far, so good. Then what happened next between the two is quite bewildering. So SEBI claims 
that it had written to NSDL on 13th December 2022, asking that the freeze be lifted. And yet, remember in February, the Kirloskarats are asking for action. So why did NSDL fail to act? Believe it or not, it was apparently because Kirloskars had not provided permanent account numbers, PAN. Now, you know that a DMAT account can't be opened without submitting a PAN because it's part of basic KYC. PAN is absolutely required, like your name and your address. But NSDL said, didn't have a PAN, and so the freeze wasn't lifted from October to February, right? Now, it gets worse. After a reminder from the Kirloskars in March, NSDL now writes to SEBI on 13th March and says, give us a directive or guidance on lifting this freeze. Remember again, 13th December 2022, SEBI says we have already told them, but 13th March, NSDL is asking for guidance. How on earth does this happen? So the question is, SEBI sends a mail, NSDL does not respond. NSDL sends a mail, SEBI doesn't respond. Why not? We get all this during the SAT hearings. So in the deposition before SAT, SEBI said, NSDL sent its 13th March email to a wrong person, and hence it remained unattended. Remember, NSDL has ignored them. SEBI says they write to the wrong person. Is it any surprise that when ordinary investors write to SEBI, there is no response? Because even NSDL apparently doesn't know which emails to address things to because there's no SOP. Now, the Kirloskars waited. In August 2023, after waiting another five months, they sent another reminder to NSDL. So from March to August, okay? And where SEBI is concerned, from December to August. Simultaneously, they were tired of waiting, so they approached SAT. SAT made NSDL also a party to this case, though it was not uh, involved in the beginning. So here's what happened. And I think SAT's words say it all. The SAT order says, after the Kirloskars approached it on 1st November 2023, and I'm quoting, all hell broke loose. The DMAT accounts and the shares of the appellants was defreezed on November 3rd, 2023. This by itself speaks volumes of the functioning of SEBI in reacting to matters at the last moment. Close quote. SAT took a dim view of this blame game and imposed a five lakh penalty. But this is not a one-off case. In fact, as a reader, as an investor, you would ask the same question that I'm asking, that if this happens to the Kirloskar family, what happens to ordinary investors who don't even have the financial resources for such action? They can keep writing, who cares? Now, well-known securities lawyers whom I checked to say, is this unique said, no, this happens routinely. Their clients are harassed in a similar manner. So what will it take for SEBI to put in standard operating procedures, what will it take for SEBI to hold its officials accountable for such lapses? How can the largest depository, the largest market infrastructure institution send emails to wrong IDs? And why is it that a depository, NSDL, 
can ignore what SEBI said on 13 December, and there are absolutely no consequences until the investor goes to the appellate tribunal. If you ask me, the actions of SEBI and NSDL reek of arrogance, incompetence, and callousness. They do, don't care about investor rights, and the blame game shows that depositories are unfazed and unworried about what the regulator can do. How else would they dare to talk about PAN instead of asking which was the official who asked for this and why? And why was it not possible to get it if there was a registered account? Remember, these are all official communications between a market infrastructure institution and the regulator. We are not talking about ordinary investors Googling and the SEBI site to look for the right ID to send an email to. Now, if a SAT order does not lead to a root cause, cause analysis and identify responsibility, it really raises questions about SEBI's much-touted online dispute resolution mechanism that it announced in September 2023, because now it's passing the responsibility entirely to a set of market intermediaries and MIIs. So, this is not isolated, like I said, let's come to another case. And I've talked about it before in a separate video blog, which is the Kode case. Now, this is an example of how little companies care about the regulator. So in August 2023, I wrote about how SAT had wrapped SEBI for behaving like a post office after Kode India refused to demat the shares of, believe it or not, a founder promoter, the 82-year-old KLA Padmanabhasa. He was a promoter director of the company. Obviously, there's an internal dispute, but they refused to transfer his shares. He complained with scores, nothing happened, then went to SAT. SEBI, meanwhile, was sending his letters back and forth until SAT trapped it. SAT then told them, issue fresh orders. So SEBI apparently issued fresh, fresh orders. Did Kode care? Listen to what happens. So on 24th August, SEBI wrote to Venkat Subramanyam, the company secretary and compliance officer of Kode, to order it, issue a directive, that is, to dematerialize the shares within 21 days, August 24th. Company did nothing until 6th November. On 6th November, the chairman and managing director, KL Swami, wrote to SEBI saying, there was a board meeting, and after careful consideration of your letter, the board apparently had unanimously rejected your request for dematerialization of shares. And in line with the unanimous decision of the board, the company was going to pursue appropriate legal remedies in connection with the SAT order of 3rd August 2023. So, Kode thinks that a directive from SEBI is a request. And it says, we're not going to follow it. We're going to go to court. Now, what should SEBI do? It shows that if SEBI has already given Kode a long rope, it was first acting like a post office, it's waited from August to November. If it thinks that its directives are requests and it keeps quiet, it's just a matter of time before other companies start doing it. So SEBI either has to go back to SAT and seek action for contempt or go even higher or do something about it. Instead, here's what advocate Joby Matthew, who appeared for Kode, tells me. Remember, Mr. Matthew knows the laws. He has spent long years working in SEBI's legal department before setting up his own practice. When asked, he admitted to being disappointed in SEBI's failure to enforce its directions. 
and he says his client may now have to approach SAT or even the registrar of companies for compliance. What does it say? It says that SEBI is ineffective. Now, CODE's registrar and transfer agent is equally unconcerned about SEBI's directives. So they apparently said, produce a first information report if you want duplicate shares. That was one of the things that Padmanabh Asad asked for. This is after the company secretary in various proceedings has confirmed previously that physical shares are in CODE's position. Again, what is your conclusion? That neither intermediaries, nor compliance officers, nor companies, nor depositories seem to care about SEBI. We get to know about this because even here, it is a promoter battling. He has the luxury of going to getting competent legal advice and going to court. What happens to ordinary investors? This is their hard-earned investment, right? They probably just battle on, they don't know what to do, maybe just lose the right to their investment. And all this is in the name of technology, dematerialization, where you would have sat with physical shares. There is a regulator with the power to impound. The same thing happens with your bank accounts. Advocate Matthew says, the recourse available to investors for safeguarding their investments for a credible dispute resolution and for recovery of money lost in fraud is shrinking. In fact, he asks, what is the point of collecting money in an investor protection fund if it doesn't benefit investors? Use this money to fight the battle for investors. This is a question that I have been asking ever since first the Ministry of Corporate Affairs set up an investor protection fund and every financial regulator followed it. They're sitting on hundreds of crores of rupees, which is used for advertisements, not for us investors. PR Ramesh is a counsel, practices securities law, also has done a long stint with SEBI. So again, I spoke to him to say, is this normal? Is this normal? Does this always happen? He also tells me his clients regularly face issues because SEBI fails to convey instructions to banks, depositories, and other intermediaries in line with court orders or SAT orders. So he's clearly pinning the blame on SEBI, saying SEBI does not have SOPs to transmit these orders. Sometimes, he says, it's deliberate because SEBI is planning to go in appeal, so it doesn't see the need to release it. Doesn't matter that there has been an appellate tribunal or court's orders, but because it's waiting to file an appeal, it does not issue instructions. And nobody holds SEBI accountable. In fact, he even says, in some cases, even when SEBI has instructed depositories and depository participants, they don't comply. He says, we have had cases where we have to issue legal notices claiming damages from the DPs just to get action. Now let's come back to the online dispute resolution platform that's supposed to solve all our problems because merchant bankers, debenture trustees, registrars, RTAs, KYC registration agencies are now have to address your grievances within 21 days. If this happens to a Kode promoter, and the Kirloskar family, are we really expecting much from this brand new online thing? It's not about online. It is not about the difficulty in being able to send something. If they say that emails are not received, pans are not there, it is about intent, it is about enforcement, it is about accountability.
if SEBI cannot enforce its own directives, how is this online mechanism going to work? But what it will do is for the easier complaints, it will allow SEBI to throw numbers, as SEBI has done. On 13th November, it put out a release to say that its online current online platform scores had successfully resolved 3,533 complaints out of 5,083 complaints. And it says our resolution time is terrific, just 36 days. Very few complaints are longer. What about these two? We don't know. Throwing data cannot hide the fact that these two orders make SEBI appear toothless, where intermediaries defy the regulator, and until it fixes that, no new mechanism is going to make a difference. If you agree, start asking questions and share this video so that other people are informed. Thank you.